Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ryan, and this is the 11 Mad Podcast. Today, we are back for another episode of Sports Opinions, where we recover, uh, we review, uh, the Premier League Match Day 5 and do a preview of Premier League Match Day 6. Now, I'll also ramble a little bit about the Champions League, uh, so don't you worry, uh, I'll do that for a little bit. But, anyways, I'll see you in the episode. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back to Love's Mad Podcast. Today, we're doing another Premier League review uh, and preview, uh, basically with my predictions, as I've done for the last few weeks now. And I'll also be covering uh, the Champions League campaign, kind of. Not really. I only watched one game, because it was Man United, but, you know, so-so. Uh, but, unfortunately, this week for the English Premier League, I could only watch two games, uh, because I just didn't really have enough time to do so. I was helping one of my friends move, uh, as they were moving houses, and so I was helping them out a little bit, and I didn't really have enough time to watch it over the weekend. So, please don't understand. Yes, I still have up to sports so I can watch the replays, but I don't have time to watch them either, because I've still got my own house to clean up as well, because I've got a lot of stuff, and I want to rearrange my room as well. Uh, so that making my life easier, and recording these podcast episodes a lot easier as well, hopefully. So... I've got a lot of things going on, so please don't understand why my analysis isn't as deep today. You know, watching game time and game film stuff to give you analysis is really hard. Uh, when I have to commit more than 90 minutes every time I watch a game. Uh, and since there's 10 of them, I have to watch over 900 minutes of game time, basically. And anything can happen, and I just don't have the time to do so. So... Each week, I'm trying to watch at least half of the Premier League games when I can. If I can't, I'll try and watch as many games as possible that I can fit with my time schedule. Um, and since all of them are mostly over the weekend, I should be able to. But there are moments where I can't, uh, especially this weekend because I was helping my friend move. Uh, and also had a really rough uh, night of sleep. I really couldn't do anything. So, please don't understand. I only watched two games. I watched wolves Brentford, and then I watched May United-West Ham. Uh, and those are the only two games I watched... Uh, for the English Premier League week, but I had also watched uh, the Champions League games in the midweek, uh, one of them at least, the Man United versus uh, Young Boys game, uh, and I'm going to have a lot of opinions about these games, but don't you worry. Uh, but let's get to the English Premier League first. So Match Day 5 has ended, uh, and let's get through my predictions, shall we? <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you now, so last week I got 8 out of 10, so I got about 80%. Uh, not about 80%, I got 80%. Uh, so 8 out of 10, I only missed two predictions because I didn't expect a Tottenham upset uh, from Crystal Palace. And I also predicted a Brentford-Brighton draw that didn't happen. End up, uh, I think it was uh, Brighton winning 1-0. So, I was, I, was, I was fairly close with 100%. This week, I wanted to get 90%. What I ended up getting this week was... 40%. <laughs> I'll tell you why. So, the first game that was played in the week was Newcastle-Leeds, and I did plan to watch this game, uh, but it was a little too late into the afternoon. I know it wasn't too late in the afternoon, it was just I couldn't make it on time to watch it. Uh, but I tuned in for a little bit, and Newcastle uh, were losing 1-0 to Leeds in, I think, the 15th minute, uh, due to, I think, a Rafinha goal. Yes. Um... And I thought, okay, Leeds might win this, because my prediction was a 2-1 win for Leeds. Uh, what I didn't expect is to lead, for Leeds to stop, you know, basically 
doing anything. Yes, they had 22 shots, and they had 9 on target, but... You gotta say, Newcastle's defense is fairly good. Um, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's it's pretty good, considering they play 5 in the back. Uh, and Leeds normally breaks them down, but they just really could finish their chances, from what I saw. I saw little bits here and there. Uh, but they just weren't clinical enough, I think it was. Uh, and then Newcastle with Alan St. Maximum gave them a goal to level the game, and for the next, for the second half, entire the entire second half, basically no goals were scored. It was a 1-1 draw. I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a 2-1 win for Leeds. Leeds, I think on paper, looked stronger, but Newcastle, after seeing them put up a massive fight against Man United last week, thought I thought they would do quite well as well. So that's why I predicted a fairly close game 2-1 to Leeds, but I, eventually it was a 1-1 draw, so I am wrong there. Then, Wolf, uh, Wolves-Brentford. Now, I watched this game, I watched it live, and this is one of the only games I watched this weekend. Uh, I predicted 2-0 for Wolves. Now, do understand, I was expecting, you know, Wolves to really be able to utilize their weapons properly. They have Trincao, Adama Traore, Raul Jimenez, Fang Hee Chan, who's on the bench. They have, you know, Daniel Podence. They have a lot of good players as well. Ruben Neves, John Moutinho. You know, a lot, a lot of good talent on that team. Brentford, on the other hand, just came up from the came up from the championship and didn't really do much in the transfer business. They actually sold Sian Ben Rama and brought in Ivan Tony. And, you know, no one really expected him to do so well. But what ended up happening is uh, Wolves just couldn't finish their dinner and Brentford actually just got the goals they needed to. Brentford were dangerous at moments and so were Wolves. Wolves just choked their moments away. I watched this game and I was very annoyed at what Wolves were doing. Nothing was nothing was really happening. They didn't put a single shot on target. They had chances, it just didn't hit him on target. You know, Adamatrari was trying his best. <clears throat> Couldn't really do much else. Had no finished product, no end product either. And that's, I think, the only problem with Adamatrari. No end product. Everyone on the Wolves team can create space and give everyone chances. But the problem is they don't have a pure finisher. And that's what Raul Jimenez was for them. But since his head injury, he hasn't been on the same form. And he hasn't scored for a while now. And I actually wanted them to bring on Huang Hee Chan a lot earlier. Or even uh, Fab, uh, Fabio Silva off the bench. You know, like a, a, a good striker. Just to substitute for Raul Jimenez, but he never, it never ended, up, never ended up happening. And Brentford got a penalty. I think it was a fair call. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, and then Ivan Tony puts it away, and then Bremen Buema also gets another goal, from also from an Ivan Tony assist. Very good build-up play, and I thought it was a very, very good game overall. Uh, <coughs> Brentford got a red card in the 64th minute. Uh, Shandon Baptiste. Yeah, it was a lazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it's it's a second yellow. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It is a second yellow. Uh, and in the 64th minute, up until the end of the game, they still held on. Brentford was still actually attacking as well. Um, and I'll bring up this kind of point later on when I talk about the Champions League game because I think all the main United fans will understand. 
why I'm very mad about it, but we'll move on to the next one. So, Brentford actually won 2 0. <laughs> I predicted 2 0 the other way. It ended up being 2 0 to Brentford, and unfortunately, I got it wrong. I expect the Wolves to perform a lot better. It's just. I think I overestimated how good their finishing can be, or should be, <laughs> uh, just based on last week's result. But I think Wolves should have played better. They should have brought in a bit more of an attacking threat. Raul Jimenez it just isn't performing, and I know I understand Bruno Large wants him to get back on form, but he just isn't performing. He's not getting into the spaces anymore. He's not attacking the ball as aggressively as he used to anymore. I understand because of the head injury, he doesn't want to attack as aggressively, but he's just not in the right places at some times. And I think Huang Hee Chan could probably start next week. Um, these two teams have both started the same eleven for the last four weeks, so. I, I expect some changes from Bruno Large. I really do. Thomas Frank put up a fantastic game plan. Yes, he got went down to 10 men at 60, 64th minute, but he still put up a fantastic game plan. I think it was a very good, very good game from both of them. Uh, but Brentford, in the end, yeah, was just a better team, I think, in, overall. Their, their chances were more dangerous, and they were more clinical with their shots as well. But we'll move on. Uh, Norwich City to Watford. I wasn't going to watch this game no matter what, because it was it's relegation, it's relegation scrap at this point. Uh, so I don't really have any opinions about it. It's relegation scrap. Norwich haven't fucking won a game this entire season. They're, st- stuck at the, they're literally stuck at the foot of the fucking Premier League. And have, really haven't done much. They've scored, was it one goal in five games? Two goals in five games. Um, literally done nothing. So I wasn't expecting a... Uh, an overly exciting game. I expected Watford to win this fairly easily, considering they played fairly well um, in the last few weeks, and so I, I expected them to do quite well. It's Lassar, very, very good player, uh, very good player, and really exciting young talent, and he 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 helped them win. So overall, I think fairly good result. Three one Watford. I predicted that. I got one correct. That's my first one correct out of three games. Sweet. I'm very good at this stuff. <laughs> Deserve to be a football analyst, right? <laughs> Alright, we'll move on to the next one. It's Burnley-Arsenal. Uh, now, I didn't watch this game either because I didn't want to watch Arsenal play. Arsenal playing is boring. I don't give a shit, Arsenal fans. I don't care if you want to fight me. Arsenal is boring. You spent the most money this summer transfer window and still haven't done shit. Uh, just saying. So, Arsenal won their last game 1-0 over Norwich and... Basically, it was just the two teams at the bottom of the table fighting each other. Uh, and Arsenal won that, and they played against Burnley, which I thought was going to be a very, very, very close game, and it ended up being one. It was one nil win for Arsenal, but you got look from like look, looking on paper from what I saw at least. Sean Dyche had a very compact, very defensive team because they always have been and always will be, and they also had some good attacking talents as well. And so, I thought they could pull out at least a 1-1 draw with Arsenal. That's what I predicted. <clears throat> but in the end, they just weren't clinical enough with their finishes. Um, and Arsenal got the better of them today. With a beautiful Martin Odegaard free kick. Uh, I actually did see that. It was very, very good. Uh, and yeah, that was that was a di- that was different difference maker. Burnley could not f- score a goal. Arsenal was just a bit more clinical with their set pieces. And it being Martin Odegaard scoring a beautiful free kick. But other than that, it was a very close game. So if if Martin Odegaard had not scored that, it would have been a nil-nil draw. And I could have probably got that prediction right, but Martin Odegaard scored. So, hey, it is what it is. 
So I got that one wrong. I'm one of four. Moving on to the next one. It's Man City Southampton. And this was the surprise result, I think, for the entire weekend. Uh, besides the other games, which I'll get on get on to, but Man City versus Southampton. Holy shit, it's a nil-nil draw. Now, I didn't watch this game, but looking at the stats, Man City should have won this game from the stats, but when I actually look at other people's opinions on the internet and stuff, apparently Southampton should have won this game because Man City just didn't defend well. And don't worry, I'll have a look at this game later. Um, and I want to see what happened. But from what I can tell, I think, I think Southampton probably should have... Like, Man City looks like they were pressing them the entire time, but I, I really can't give you much more than that. Because from looking just at the stats, like, from, like, the surface level, it, it is what it is. Yes, and people say, yes, Man City just came back from playing the Champions League fairly recently. But, at the same time, you have so much, you should have so much quality in your team that you should be able to perform so much better than that. Um... Apparently, Pep Guardiola played Sterling as a striker, which I find concerning. Uh, apparently, he did. I don't understand why he doesn't start Ferran Torres there. Ferran Torres played fantastically as striker for the last few weeks. So, I don't know why you don't start him. I mean, you didn't play him at all. I think that's, I think that's, a, that, I think that's Pep Guardiola's fault. Man City probably should have won that, like, just based on team strength in general. Hmm. I'll have to get back to you on this one. This this one is a very confusing game. I'll definitely have to watch this one. You know, I hate watching Man City play. I might have to watch this one because watching them draw against Southampton is very, very concerning for, I think, Man City fans and also Pep Guardiola themselves. Uh, but I predicted a 2-0 win for Man City because I thought it was just going to be another routine, you know, sweep of the sweep under the table. You know, that's an easy win. Uh, but apparently not. I know they'll draw. Very boring game. Uh, Man City had 16 shots, one on target. Southampton had 10 Shots and two on target. Hmm. We will see. I'll have to look back on that one. Uh, sorry that my opinion isn't as... Let's say confident because I just didn't watch it. Uh, I just didn't have time. Um, plus, it, for me in Australia, these time these games are played at really, really early in the morning. Or just not in a time frame where I can stay up, like reasonably stay up with confidence like later in the day. Because I watched the game at like 3 a.m. So, please don't understand that. Alright, we'll move on to Liverpool Crystal Palace. Uh, Liverpool won 3-0. Uh, I expected a 3-1 win for Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool have been on pretty good form recently. Uh, and I expected the team to do very, very well. Sadio Mane uh, scoring a goal. So did Mo Salah and Nabi Keita as well. Uh, Crystal Palace, I expected them to score a goal after last week's performance against Tottenham. But, unfortunately, they did not. Uh, Tottenham, base, uh, Tottenham. Tottenham lost against Crystal Palace. But... You can't you can't compare Tottenham to uh, to Liverpool honestly. It's really two different monsters, and Liverpool literally dominated Crystal Palace with 25 shots, 10 on t 10 shots on target. Crystal Palace only had 13 and two shots on target. Very dominant game from uh, Liverpool, from what I can tell on the stat sheet. Probably the game tells you otherwise, but the stat sheet tells you uh, tells me at least that uh, Liverpool really really put Crystal Palace under pressure, where they almost couldn't attack and almost couldn't leave their half. Um, a little bit disappointed in Crystal Palace because I expected them to get a goal, but unfortunately they didn't. Uh, just didn't perform that day, I think. Uh, but we'll move on. To Aston Villa-Everton. And this is the other surprise game, I think, uh, for the league in general this this week. Uh, 
Aston Villa Everton 3-0 to Aston Villa. Uh, <laughs> wow, I mean, I didn't expect Aston Villa to win. I really didn't. Uh, but they they showed up. They they truly showed up. I think it was just Aston Villa really put the pressure on uh, Everton from what, what it seems. Yes, they only had three shots on target, but they were clinical with those shots on target. Uh, yes, one of them is a Lucas Dinier or goal, but at, at the end of the day, I think Aston Villa just outplayed them. I'll, I'll have to watch this game as well because I was very, very excited to watch it. Uh, but in the end, I couldn't stay out to watch it. I uh, just didn't have enough time or enough energy to do so. Uh, plus, I had to wake up early in the morning to go help my friend move. So just wasn't possible, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, surprising result for me. I predicted a 1-1 draw, honestly. I, I thought these two teams were very, very good on paper, both of them. Uh, but unfortunately, um, Richarlison is now injured as well. Uh, no, he was injured before, but he, he's still injured as well. <coughs> and I thought, I thought Everton was just going to be able to play, but apparently they didn't. Uh, so... You know it is. Well, yeah, yes, uh, yes. Everton is missing both their strikers and Dominic Cavalier and Richarlison, but you still expect them to do quite well. Um, so yeah, very very surprising result at the end of the day. Uh, we'll move on to the next game because uh, I, I I'm still wrong. I'm at <laughs> uh, two of seven right now. Jesus fucking Christ, I'm bad. <laughs> uh, Brighton Leicester City, and I expected Leicester City to win this. Tino. It ended up to one the other way. It was Brighton that won uh, at the end of the day. Um, I actually want to kind of watch this game as well because I want to understand what went wrong. Uh, oh, wow. Leicester were not clinical. They they had more possession. They had more passes. They had more shots on, uh, they had more shot, more shots on goal, but they didn't put that many on target. Brighton almost matched 50% accuracy on their, on their shots, but... Oh my! What what went wrong? <laughs> from the from the stats that I see here, it's just Leicester just went clinical. They they didn't they didn't have the best of chances. I think I think they should have just been a bit more careful with their shot selection. I think from what I can tell at the at least from the stats, the game will tell you otherwise. I'll definitely watch all these games back. I just can't do it right now before the episode needs to be uploaded. So. Please don't understand that. Like, I just don't have the time to do so. Because um, analyzing all of it, breaking it down in my head, um, and giving you my best opinion of it, it takes a lot of time. So, please don't understand. Uh, but yeah, Brian upset Leicester City, and I thought Leicester City was going to, you know, win. I wouldn't say fairly comfortably, but, you know, just a, a, a good win. Uh, but no, in the end, they lost 2-1. Uh, close game. I think Leicester City just weren't clinical enough that day. Um, and Brighton just happened to be the better the better team. Uh, not not through stats-wise, but I think just through performance-wise. Then we'll move on to the team I support, Manchester United versus West Ham. Um, then this result basically came exactly how I predicted it. Um, I predicted a 2-1 win for Manchester United, considering their... Performance in the midweek in the Champions League. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, but I was expecting that we would go down 1-0 early because of some stupid thing. Uh, and Saeed Ben Rama got a crazy deflection off Rafael Varane who turned his body away from the ball. 
uh, and it deflected off him and wrong-footed David De Gea in the 30th minute. Uh, but we answered back basically immediately with uh, five minutes later, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, who else would have been that man, scoring a goal. The machine is really here. Four goals in three games for Manchester United since his return. Uh, scored on his Premier League home debut back in Manchester. Scored in his pre- uh, Champions League return for Manchester United. And also scored in his Manchester United away debut as well. Four goals, three games. Fantastic man. Um, and lifted the spirits of everyone once he scored. We were really attacking the ball and really tackling uh, and attacking the West Ham kind of box uh, very often. And yes, people say Ronaldo should have passed the ball a bit more. I understand. He, there, was a, there was a moment when he could have passed to Mason Greenwood and he would have got a guaranteed goal there. But a lot of these decisions are split second and you yes, you understand you should see it there. But... When you're when you're in pure number nine, you don't always look up. You just turn towards the goal and just hit it sometimes, and that's just how it is in football. Um, but yeah, Manchester United put up a very very convincing performance in the first half. Um, yes, we had that weird deflection goal, but we still put up a crazy performance. But in the second half, we actually stumbled around a little bit. Um, I'll complain about Fred again. He lost the ball way too many times. Yes, he put up a good performance, but he just lost the ball way too many times. He just he was trying to drive, and so was Scott McTominay. Both of them were trying to drive up the field, but they couldn't really dribble at them because they don't have anything to beat the defender, and all they had to do was just pass. And all they could do was just pass backwards or pass to the side because they couldn't really drive forward. Uh, yeah, Scott McTominay played it, tried to play a beautiful pass to Ronaldo, and Ronaldo just took an extra, took an extra touch or two and really couldn't get there. Um, but, you know, I... I that's the main I want to complain about the McFred thing over and over again. The McFred partnership in midfield is good in certain situations. It's it's very specific situations. It's not all the time. You can't use it all the time. And what Ollie has is constantly used. And yes, I understand his substitutions at the end of the game, like towards the end of the game, like the 70th minute, change the game. Bring on Jane Sancho, Jesse Lingard, perfect substitutions. With Matt, with the Manu Matic as well, perfect. Um brings us more security in the midfield, allows us to <coughs> spread out wide a bit more with Jesse Lingard, yes, tucking in more central, but Sancho really running the lines as well, and it helped us really uh, spread out a bit more. Yes, we had a very congested first half. A lot of people, a lot of players were congesting themselves into basically within the width of the 18-yard box, and it wasn't really working. There was just too much crowding in there, and once... Ole brought on Lingard and Jane Sancho. We were able to spread out a little bit, thin it out. And also with Nemanja Matic as well, dropping back and not playing as high as, uh, you know, what a Scott McTominay was doing or, like, you know, Fred was doing. It really helped the team be able to spread out a bit more, you know. So I think it was a lot better in the second half as well, but uh, a lot of West Ham fans will complain about, you know, the penalty that Aaron Wambasaka basically put on Thomas Suchek. I agree. It's it's kind of a penalty. I don't understand how you don't call that penalty. But, to counteract that point, why the fuck were we not given two penalties? Alright, Ronaldo went down two times, both of them with contact above the knee, you know, and clearly stepping across the body, and that's apparently in the meeting with the referees. Martin Askinson was told that he should have given that as a penalty and checked VAR. 
and people call us Varchester United. I don't give a shit. We should have got two penalties. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Kozuma was a clear penalty. That tackle on Ronaldo was a clear penalty. No contact with the ball whatsoever. Clearly sweeps him from under the ground, and that's a clear penalty. And then the Sufal one, above the, contact above the knee, and that should be a penalty. Maybe over-exaggerating a little bit, but that's a penalty no matter what. The first one definitely was not a penalty. Uh, that, that one was a dive. Let's give him that one. Uh, but the, the other two were definitely penalties. I don't know what you're talking about. And then the handball from Luke Shaw. Again, how is that a penalty? <laughs> like, I understand your arm needs to be in a natural position, but what counts as a natural position nowadays? Uh, do you have to put it straight across, like straight next to your body? Because sometimes apparently that doesn't count either. And so, as a defender, I've seen my arm go in that kind of position as well. Like where I'm moving my body across and I stick my arm out by accident and it hits my arm. But you don't count that as a handball. And yes, I know I play Sunday League and Sunday League in professionals very, very different. But you got to understand, I know the positioning of where your arm would be if you're moving your body across like that, you know? And it's just kind of how it is. And... Even the pundits were, like, saying... Even the commentators saying, well, sorry, uh, that that's a natural position because you're moving your body across. There's no way your arm's going to be right behind you when you're trying to move your body across, you know? And I don't know how Martin Atkinson gives that as a penalty, but then David Moyes makes probably one of the worst decisions in his life and brings on Mark Noble in the 94th minute to take a penalty without even playing a single minute of the football game that has just played out. And now I've made my comments clear already about, you know, Gareth Southgate doing the exact same thing for the Euros uh, for England, uh, bringing on Marcus Rashford and Jane Sancho straight off the bench after, you know, full-time, extra-time and penalties, you know, just to take on a pen- just to take two penalties and both of them missing. And yes, both of them missed, but you got to understand, not being in the game and being asked to take a penalty, a pressure penalty as well, that could win you or... Like, they could draw the game and give you a point, or even maybe lose the game for you. When you're ice cold off the bench, that's ridiculous to ask of any person, any professional. Like, come on, man. That's stupid. And so, David De Gea makes a save. May and I win 2-1 in the end. Crazy ending to the game. You know, Jesse Lingard with a worldy of a uh, finish uh, just inside the box. Uh, top corner, basically beautiful finish. Um, you know... May and I deserve to win. I think we deserve to win that game. It was definitely a, a May and I, you know, showcase. 17 shots, 10 on target, half of them were by Ronaldo. What do you want from me? <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. But yeah, good good game from West... Uh, like, good good performance from West Ham. It's just there were moments where they should have played a bit better. And there were some decisions that went the wrong way. And then finally, the last game of... The match week or match day, sorry, was Tottenham Chelsea, and I predicted Chelsea to win this comfortably because Tottenham just weren't going to be good. Last week they played Kane way too far back because he just couldn't create anything up front. Youngminson was back in the lineup, but again, Harry Kane wasn't playing central; he was playing in a more like an attacking left midfield role, which I don't understand what the fuck he's doing there. You gotta understand he's a pure number nine. He's he's a striker. He doesn't play that role. He just he just can't. He doesn't. And I don't know what Nuno Espirito Santos is doing, but losing 3-0 to Chelsea is fairly reasonable, yes. But 
you're meant to be a top six team as well. But you just fucked up. <laughs> you know, three three one nil wins in the first three weeks, great. But they weren't convincing wins. Then you lose to Crystal Palace because both your centre backs didn't play. Basically, Eric Dyer played for about ten fifteen minutes. Then Tanganga got sent off. Then you had to play Den Ben Davies and uh, Joe Rodon and basically a makeshift paper thin defense. And it didn't work out in the end. You still lost 3-0. And you lost 3-0 again, but to even an uh, even better side in Chelsea. And they could have scored more if Timo Werner didn't mess up his touches. Or if Hugo Lloris wasn't your goalkeeper, you probably would have lost by more. Chelsea played fantastic today. I thought they had a very, very good performance overall. Marcus Alonso with fantastic set pieces. I saw some highlights. I saw a little bit of clips here and there. So this is why I have some in-depth, kind of like, a, a little bit more in-depth kind of opinions. I thought it was a very good game overall by Chelsea. Tottenham need to sort out their problems. They need to sort out where players play. Because Harry Kane does not play as an attacking mid. He's just not that. He's a pure striker. He plays central. He doesn't play out wide. He just doesn't. So, Nuno Espirito Santos. I want you to succeed. But if you want to succeed, you play Harry Kane in the right position. Because if you just screw him over and over and over, he will just leave. He wants to leave this summer already, but you made him stay. So you have to prove that to him that you are a good enough manager to make him stay. But with how you're playing him right now, he is playing like complete dog shit. But, anyways. That is enough for match day 5. We'll move on to match day 6. Um, well, we'll have some more predictions and hopefully I'll get some more. <clears throat> and now, yes, the Carabao Cup will also be... Uh, soon, uh, I'll be in a, actually tomorrow, I think, uh, or at least a few days time, uh, a couple of days, I'm sorry, but we'll predict match day six, uh, and the first game we'll be predicting is Man City Chelsea, and considering how Man City played literally the other day, I expect Chelsea to win this. I think it'll be a one nil, maybe two nil. Uh, Man City's defense just. Has still concerns, as I've already mentioned. Left-back is still a big concern for me. Uh, Gel Cancelo is not a left-back. He's not built to be a left-back. But he's playing well there. But at the same time, you got to understand that Man City have to play so many games already as well. You can't expect to play Carl Walker, Gel Cancelo constantly, constantly, constantly. It's just not going to happen. So, Man City-Chelsea, I think it'll be 2-0 Chelsea. Uh, I'm sorry, Man City fans. Uh, but fuck you. <laughs> I want you to lose every game, because as a Man United fan, you should just not exist. But, here's what it is. We move on to the next one. It'll be Man United, Aston Villa. I expect Man United to win this, but considering Aston Villa's performance last week, it could be very, very close. I'm going to predict 2-1 Man United, but considering Man United is Man United, we might choke it away and lose 2-1. So, I'm going to predict a 2-1 win for Man United, hopefully. I pray. I pray. Um... Alright, let's see. So, Man United, Aston Villa, it'll be... Yeah, 2-1. 2-1 two, two, to, to Man United. But we could we could choke it. Don't worry. I understand. I, I'm I'm not going to say we're confident with it. We'll probably scrap it together at the end. Leicester City, Burnley will be next. And I predict Leicester City to bounce back uh, after a disappointing week in match day 5. So, I predict a probably 1-0 win uh, over Burnley. Maybe 2-0, but Burnley will put up a fight. So let's say 2-1. Or maybe 1-0. Uh, you know what? Yeah, 1-0. Yeah, 
1-0 it is. Everton, Norwich. I expect Everton to bounce back after a disappointing week as well. Norwich, basically the punching bag of the league at this point. Uh, I expect 2-0 Everton. Um, at least, if Everton lose this, uh, I don't know what I'd do. I don't want to make a bet on that because Everton could do anything. Uh, I would wax my leg. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, no, nah, no one, no one can. You, I can't prove it to you if I lose. I can just scream in pain and just not do it. I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Next game we'll be predicting is Leeds West Ham. Uh, I think Leeds will perform. Um, I guess Leeds isn't. On the greatest stretch of form recently, but again, I think they can still perform. Uh, so let's let's say, you know, let's predict a a one-one draw. I think it'll be very close. Uh, Watford Newcastle. I think that's a that's a two-one win for Newcastle. I think. Uh, I mean. It could end up either way, honestly. Uh, but I think I think Newcastle. I think it's just a better team in general. But Ismail Assar. Oh, it's actually be quite close. I think I think two two. It might be a good. It, be, it might be a high scoring game, or it could be a, a boring nil nil draw. But a two two draw. Let's let's predict a two two draw. Brentford Liverpool. Liverpool win that. I, I don't see how an on form Liverpool right now lose to Brentford, who yes is picking up form. Or was on good form and then they lost, but again, Liverpool just out quality them everywhere. Uh, especially when Brentford also received a red card in one of their, their pivotal midfield players, I think. Liverpool win that uh, very comfortably 3 0, I think. Yeah. Southampton Wolves, 1 uh, 1. I think that's 1-1. One, one. I, I really don't see how else that really could end up. Wolves just don't have a good finisher. Southampton have a very good defense as well. Uh, and they can also score their own goals as well. So I think 1-1. One, one. Arsenal-Tottenham. Oh, the North London derby. Uh, oh, dude. That literally could go anywhere. Because Arsenal... Crap. <laughs> I don't care what Arsenal fans say. Arsenal fans are... Uh, Arsenal is just bad right now, and Tottenham isn't good either. No, no. Maybe one-one. It's a draw nonetheless, I think. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say one-one. Yeah, one-one. And then last game will be Crystal Palace Brighton. Ooh. Um. Hmm. I think Crystal Palace win 2-1. I think it'll be a close game. But those are my predictions for this week. Uh, for the, the next match day. Match day 6. It is Manchester City, Chelsea. Chelsea win that 2-0. Uh, Man United versus Aston Villa. Man United win that 2-1. Le- uh, Leicester City versus Burnley. 1-0 for Leicester. Everton Norwich will be 2-0 for Everton. West Ham Leeds will be 1-1. Watford Newcastle will be 2-2. Liverpool Brentford will be 3-0. Watf- uh, 3-0 Liverpool, sorry. Fucking Watford. Jesus Christ. Uh, Southampton Wolves will be 1-1. Arsenal Tottenham 1-1. Crystal Palace Brighton 2-1. 
A lot of 1-1 draws, a lot of, a lot of draws in general in my predictions, and a lot of uh, close games. But the Premier League is still very competitive nonetheless. Uh, no matter how many goals you beat a team by, it's still very competitive. So, those are my predictions for this weekend. And now let's move on to the mid-week game of May 9 versus Young Boys. Oh boy, where do I start? So, I did watch this game live. Uh, painful game to watch, let's be fair. Uh, so, May and I walked into the Young Boys game undefeated in the Premier League. Uh, only, dropping boys to, uh, only dropping points to Southampton. And we expected to win this game because this was probably the easiest fixture in our group stage. Uh, in our group stage group, at least, against Young Boys from Switzerland. And so we travelled to Switzerland in their home stadium at. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember what stadium was what 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 the stadium is called, but we walked in there with confidence uh, and <clears throat> with a fairly rotated team. Donny Van der Beek got his first start of the season. Um, Jane and Sancho also started as well, um, and who else? Lindelof got his first uh, got got another start as well with Rafael Varane also sitting on the bench. So Rafael Varane was on the bench. Uh, I think, uh, who else was on the bench? Uh, Matic and uh, Greenwood. So, we walked in with, they walked in there with confidence, and we went up 1-0 within the first 15 minutes. Hey, from Ronaldo. Sick. Then we put on another shot on target in the 25th minute from Ronaldo as well, again. Then we didn't do shit for the rest of the game. Like, I'm, I'm not even joking. We didn't have a single shot on target after the 25th minute. Yeah, it was... Pretty bad. And the only problem I have with Olegana Solskjaer right now is his substitutions can be good or bad. In basically a must win game in the Champions League, his substitutions were complete dog shit. And yes, I understand Aaron Wambasaka got a red card, and yes, it was a bad tackle nonetheless. I don't give a shit, it is a red card. It's a tackle above the ankle with studs up, basically, that is. 100% a red. I don't care what anyone says in the media, that is 100% a red. Okay? But in my opinion, Aaron Wambasaka shouldn't have started. I think Dalot should have started, Aaron Wambasaka needs some rest, and now he's got some guaranteed rest from the Champions League because he's banned for the next few games because of a red card, like a straight red as well. Um, and so we're down to 10 men, I think, within the first half, uh, no, first 36 minutes. And what does Ole do? He decides to bring off Jadon Sancho. Who does he bring on? Not an attacking player. He he brings a, he brings Sancho off for Delo. Okay, so we lose a winger. We're gonna still play, you know, four at the back, three in midfield, and one up front. No, no, two up front. So like a, a four-three-two basically. We hold out to halftime, and yeah, okay, we're still winning 1-0, halftime, Ronaldo obviously scored, he's put both of our shots at goal, and on target as well, surely we're going to get some good you know, chances in the second half. So as I wait and sit back, and wait for halftime to, to roll over, and then wait for the second half to start, um, Ole decides to do something that I don't think a lot of managers would do in a winning situation down to 10 men in a Champions League group stage game. 
which is to go five at the back. He takes off Donny van der Beek to put on Rafael Varane alongside Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire in a back three with Delo and Luke Shaw playing as wingbacks. And the utter confusion I had at the time, and I still have, because he hasn't explained why he went to five at the back yet, <clears throat> is baffling. You're in a winning position at 1-0. And this is a must-win game in the Champions League group stage, because we choked it away last season. You decide to go play five at the back and invite pressure. Why? Now, I understand the substitutions of bringing on another defender and Rafa Varane. But you take off a defender to bring on another defender. You don't take off a midfielder who was actually doing quite well just to bring on a centre-back. Yes, I know who's played a lot of Champions League minutes. But you don't play him in a back five. You just don't. We don't exert pressure on them. We don't pressure them on the ball. Because we're running our entire forward line tired by doing so. Our five our five at the back is sitting as a giant line in the back. It doesn't help. And we're just inviting them to shoot. And young boys eventually scored. And they deserve to. Honestly, they deserve to. They put so many shots at us. So many on target as well. We were lucky to not be 4-1 down. Genuinely speaking, David De Gea was like doing very well for us. But then again, for whatever reason, in the 70th, like third minute, he, Ole, for whatever fucking reason, decides to take off both Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo to bring on Nemanja Matic and Jesse Lingard. So what we're basically doing is playing a 5-4-0. No strikers. Four midfielders and five at the back. Why? God, if I know. Why would I know? Like, wh why would I know? Why? I don't understand Ole's tactics. I never will. I never have. Because... Even when asked that question, he doesn't want to go into detail about it. And yes, I understand, you don't want to, like, reveal your hand or whatever. But when I watch Man United, all I really see is just relying on individual brilliance. And yes, sometimes that can work, but it doesn't look like a team. It looks like 11 in talented individuals. And yes, they play well sometimes as a team, but... We can't, constant, like, constantly rely on them to perform week in, week out. Humans are inconsistent. I understand that. But holy shit. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what the fuck are you doing? What the actual fuck are you doing? No one goes to play five at the back when you're winning in a must-win game of the Champions League group stage. No manager in the world would have the right mind to be in a winning position to take off Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes and remove all the attacking pressure off of the young boys. No manager in the world. 
None. If you can name me one, fine, go ahead. But no one should do that. Not a single manager should do that. And yes, I understand. Ronaldo's 36, he's not going to be pressuring the centre-backs constantly as a striker. I know that. But he was our only attacking threat the entire game. We had two shots and two on target. Both from CR7. We didn't do anything after the second half. We just sat back and just let him attack us. And eventually we lost 2-0. I mean 2-1, sorry. And we deserved to. We played like dog shit. And I don't understand Ole's obsession with Fred. Now Fred, yes he played well on the weekend against West Ham. But in the Young Boys game, he also played fairly well in the first half. But that's the first half. Second half, he got pushed off the ball way too often. He gave up the ball also way too often. And he should have come off at halftime. I don't understand this man's obsession with Fred. Fred isn't fantastic. He's good. He's not great. He's not awfully bad either. He's just... Meh. He's not fantastic at any area. He's not... Detrimentally bad at any area. Except his tackling. He goes into challenges way too fucking early. This weekend was a prime example with West Ham. He kept on diving into tackles. Giving the ball away. And losing his positional battle. Why? Because he was too arrogant or too ignorant to the situation. He dove into tackles without really thinking about the consequences immediately afterwards. One of the reasons why we conceded early was because Fred didn't have the positional awareness to play the number 6. In a double pivot nonetheless as well. Scott McTominay, yes, returned from injury, but fuck me. McFred isn't... A go-to center mid, center mid, like central midfield partnership. It just isn't. And Ole made good substitutions this weekend, but decided to make dog shit ones in the Champions League. Why? Why did you bring on Jesse Lingard when Mason Greenwood's literally sitting right there and he's been on form for the last few games, leading up to that game, and you decide to just leave him on the bench? There is no reason for you to do that. There is no reason you should take off Ronaldo in the first place. But holy shit, what the fuck? So, yeah, that's my opinions, basically, of Oliver Solskjaer against Young Boys. He made terrible decisions, his substitution was awful, his tactic calls were awful, and for some reason, I don't know why, every time I bring this, I cannot stress this enough, you do not go far from the back in a winning position in a must-win game. You don't. In that game, he, would look, he looked like he was playing not to lose. Not to win is not to lose. He wasn't playing to win. He wasn't. He was playing not to lose, which is the only thing that pisses me off constantly. Because he constantly just plays not to lose. In games where he says, "I need, we need to win this," he just decides to play not to lose, and that's because the pressure's getting to him. But anyways, I think I'm done. My throat's dying. I should probably drink some water. But thank you guys so much for listening to me ramble about sports once again. Hopefully I'll be coming back with some more weekend episodes. Obviously we you heard the last one with me and Kevin. Well, I basically told you the world was ending. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll return with us soon. Depends on who I can get on and depends on when I have time. So, yeah. Anyways, hope to see you all guys next time in the next episode for Sports Opinions. Or maybe the weekend episode if I ever record one. But we'll see you later.
Bye.